0: Hey there, welcome to episode 10 of ATL and 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Schnard. Today we have a really special guest, Anna Horford, who is not only a smart, strong voice from the collective that we call Basketball Twitter, but also the younger sister of former Hawk and current Celtic center Al Horford. In our conversation, we discuss her leading candidates to win this year's MVP award, as well as her favorite non-Horford NBA player to watch. Then we move into a more serious topic, the challenges faced by women on Twitter and other social media. And finally, we talk a bit about the saga that her father, Tito, dealt with when he was a teenager from the Dominican Republic, dealing with shady college American recruiters who didn't have his best interests at heart. Today's episode was made possible by Poli Mortgage Group. Poli Mortgage Group. Rates, integrity, service. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's get started. So, we are here with Anna Horford. Uh, You can follow her on Twitter. It's at Anna Horford. That's simple enough. Welcome, Anna. Thank you. (laughs) I wanted to start you off with uh, just three quick questions, kind of feeler questions, get a feel for uh, how we're going to go and sort of warm things up here. Sound good?
1: Sounds awesome.
0: All right. The first one I wanted to ask you about was a tweet that I saw from a couple of weeks back. And what you wrote was, so my boss got me a pack of Al's cards. And then you've got a couple of laughing, smiley faces, and a picture of the cards that he gave you. What's the backstory on that?
1: Well, the backstory is I came into work this week and there were just there was just a pack of cards sitting on my desk and they were from my boss who coincidentally grew up in Boston. Um or has lived in Boston, and he's a huge Boston sports fan, and um, he's obviously really stoked on Al being a part of the Celtics, and um, he just thought it was kind of a nice gesture at first. I thought maybe he wanted them signed, but he's like, no, they're for you, keep them. And I'm like, okay, like, not really sure what I'm going to do with them.
0: (laughs) So you're not a big Al card collector. You're not a card collector per se then, right?
1: I have absolutely zero (laughs) cards I don't know if that makes me bad sister, but I think it's a little weird to like have like your brother's memorabilia just like chilling in your room. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> Family photos work better than cardboard cards.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. So, what is the best thing you've eaten in the last month?
1: The best thing I've eaten in the last month would be this amazing stuffed chicken, and it's from this restaurant called Houlihan's. and. Um, So good, and it comes with like these golden mashed potatoes and Brussels sprouts, and I feel like if you're gonna eat food that's really bad for you, it needs to be freaking delicious.
0: (laughs) So that's exactly what it was. What was stuffed in it? You said it was stuffed.
1: Yeah, it was stuffed. What was inside? It had Like this breading on the outside, and then like I don't know, this creamy like garlic herb sauce, and it was just like it was amazing went down quick.
0: <laughs> you know, I we, we I put this type of question because everybody eats, right? Like not everybody watches movies or listens to music, but everybody eats, but yeah, it's dinner time and I haven't eaten yet and you're making me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Delicious. Third warm-up question. If you could trade cars with any NBA player, who would you trade cars with?
1: Okay. So this is going to be a super boring answer, but al <laughs> <laughs> he's got some pretty cool cars And I get to drive them when I see him So um, I mean They're they're pretty cool uh, He's got like a Porsche and a Range Rover And um, they just got a Tesla So uh, Yeah he's got some pretty cool cars And I kind of have a heart attack When I drive them though <laughs> Because I feel like it's just too much pressure Not to like hit anyone or anything And so it's a little scary for me I get
0: some anxiety. So if you do it, it as a true swap, uh, Al's a pretty big guy. Is he gonna fit in your car?
1: Um, he has fit in my car. Actually.
0: He's been in it already. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. So we're good. We're good. We're good on that front. He's,
0: he's already he already knows the territory. Then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Perfect. I don't know. It's, it's funny because it seems like Alan, John, and my dad won't fit into cars, and then when they really try, somehow it always works out.
0: So, so, how tall is your brother John?
1: He's six ten two.
0: How tall Came is your brother like Josh? The
1: same in weight, my little brother Josh, he's like, he's the shorty of the family. He's six <laughs> five.
0: And so you, you get all these people in the same car, including your dad.
1: Yeah, I mean we have traveled like that before, and I'm the shortest of the five at six feet tall. So my little sister's like six two. And so, yeah, it's, it's a struggle, but we make it work.
0: <laughs> Is there a fight over who gets the front seat for legroom?
1: Okay, for some reason, Al always gets the front seat. And <laughs> I think it's because he's the oldest. I don't know. I feel like Al or John always get it. But, I mean, I, I guess they are the tallest, so that makes sense. But,
0: yeah. Fair enough. They're not the tallest. Your dad's the tallest, isn't he? Oh, okay, yeah. My dad's the really tallest.
1: It's weird because you don't think it makes that much of a difference, like being like 7'1 to 6'10, but my dad makes Alan John look really small.
0: No, I no, I. that's absolutely true. Like, I'm used to seeing basketball players. I'm around them yeah. all day, right? And yeah. your dad's been in Phillip's Arena a couple times, and, like, when he walks past when I'm not, like, looking at him, it's like, wait, that's a really tall person.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the and only, only person, person that I... Like been around in person was last season when we were at the Hawks. We are hanging out with Dikembe Mutombo after the game. And he was with my dad. And I was like, holy cat Like <laughs> someone who like makes my dad look really small. Like it was insane because I'm just used to large humans around all the time. But being around Dikembe was like crazy.
0: Yeah, crazy. I had to do an interview with Dikembe last, last year and it was like Like, we're on Skype now, and the audio quality is pretty good. He was on like a cell phone that had bad quality, and he already has like the world's, you know, scratchiest voice. You know, it, yeah, I had to listen to it like 12 times before I could like get everything right to transcribe it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, Dikembe's like the nicest person in the world, and his wife Rose is super sweet too. They're just like super sweet people. Yeah, they're
0: awesome. Excellent. All right, so I was, uh, we spoke ahead of time. I was going to ask you to join into our 100 to 200 segment where I ask you for something in between a mildly controversial 100 degree opinion and something closer to 200 degrees on the scorchy side. So the way we do it is that I'll ask you first what your opinion is and then maybe explain it a little bit. Then I'll take a turn at guessing how you might rate it and then you can tell us what you rated it. Sound good?
1: I'm nervous I'm not going to be well equipped enough for this but I'm going to try.
0: Oh you're going to do great. What's your opinion here?
1: All right. My opinion on um, I think that the Golden State Warriors super team is obnoxious.
0: Perfect. What what don't what makes you feel that way? Is it's it just be-
1: totally unfair <laughs> <laughs> that that much talent is on one team, and um, it's yeah, it's just silly. It's just silly.
0: So do you think that, uh, you know, it was kind of weird where the cap went up a lot in the year before this year and then it went up a lot again this year. Do you think that, uh, that as they go and make rules going forward that some of the owners and the people in charge of running the other teams will try to create a set of rules that sort of creates like a penalty for the Warriors so that it's more difficult for them to maintain that kind of status quo going forward?
1: I don't know. I don't really see that happening because, I mean, could you do that? I don't know. Well, I
0: mean, I think they're hammering out, and maybe they already have it done, but they're trying to put together that new collective bargaining agreement where, you know, they kind of lay out the rules for how the league's going to operate for the next five years or seven years, however long they're going to do it, where they set things like the salary cap and the rules for how trades get done and rookies get signed and things like that. Yeah. do Do you think that they when they put that kind of a thing together do you think they're going to kind of keep the rules the way they are now or they might change it in a way that makes it harder for the super teams if you will?
1: Um, Well yeah now that I mean now that I think about it I think that that's definitely going to be something that they implement. I think they're going to be a little bit tougher um, on teams about who they select and how they select them Um, and that makes sense. I mean it's kind of boring when you've got like two giant super teams who are just kind of battling it out year after year. I mean, it'd be nice if some other teams could get involved in that. Um, And I think that would benefit more people.
0: I hear you. Yeah, and one of the things I always liked about the NBA was that, uh, unlike some of the other pro sports, they were real true underdogs. There were some teams that, like, just never won, and it was going to be hard for them to win. And I always found it interesting to kind of follow those teams and see what they would try to do to to. To make themselves an actual contender all right so let's give this a score here i'll say that that's uh, i don't know maybe like a 120. it's not too controversial i think if you go outside of the golden state fan base there are going to be a lot of people that feel that way yeah
1: absolutely Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) did you have a number to put with it um i'd probably put it right
1: around the same like Mm -hmm. maybe 130 Sounds 140. Good. I mean, it's something that I know has been like bugging a lot of people. So that's probably where I'd read
0: it. That sounds good. Well, one of the things that I think is interesting about this season, maybe compared to some previous seasons, is that it seems like the MVP race is wide open. You know, you've got people yeah. doing some incredible things this season. Uh, You know, you've got Kevin Durant, obviously. We just spoke about that. You know, he's going to be playing with a set of teammates that can really enhance what he does. Russell Westbrook's averaging a triple-double. You know, Cleveland is defending a title, and they already have, you know, LeBron, who's considered in a lot of circles the best player. So I was going to ask you for your four top candidates for the MVP race this season. You want to do them in reverse order from four to one? Sure. All right. So who's, let's say, your fourth most likely candidate for winning the award this year.
1: All right. Well, I was actually talking about this with my little brother. Just kind of guys in general that um, we think would be kind of in the in the race, and uh, definitely Kevin Durant, just because his average is crazy. And um, for number four, Sounds And then good.
0: Anthony,
1: Anthony Davis for number three. Okay. Um, Needs a little bit of help from his teammates, but he's killing it.
0: He's making he has then, r- ridiculous numbers.
1: Yeah, no, it's just absurd. It's crazy. <laughs> and then um, James Harden for number two.
0: Sounds good. And I'm not
1: like a, I'm not like a huge fan of him in general, but he is he's doing really well this season. Um, right. Kind of undeniable. So, and then number one probably Russell Westbrook just because he is averaging a triple double which is insane, and I think he's
0: a robot. Like, I don't think he's real. Yeah, it's ridiculous, like, just the rebounds and stuff, you know, for a player yeah. of his size. they I saw, a re- you know, one of the rebounds.
1: There's 11 rebounds.
0: Yeah, it's 11 rebounds, and the, I saw a clip of him, like, getting a rebound against the Knicks, and it was, like, it was literally a highlight. It was just him grabbing a rebound, but he came <laughs> from so far away and he went so high over a person that was like a foot taller than him that it was literally just a highlight of him grabbing a rebound, where normally it's like a shot or a dunk or a steal that's the highlight. It was just like this perfectly acceptable highlight of just one single rebound, and it was just glorious (laughs) to watch it because he just did it in such a spectacular way.
1: Right. I just don't understand how someone can play with that much intensity throughout the entire friggin' game. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. Do you not... I don't
0: understand. He's got to be, like, part robot or something. I'll... The thing... One of the things that I will never forget about Russell Westbrook was watching the game where he dented his face and kept playing. Like, he did something where he, like, fractured, like, a cheekbone or something. And basically, you know, where your cheekbone juts out, it was basically concave and jutting in. And it's like, that's not right. Yeah. (laughs) And that's just how hard he plays. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He's something else. Well, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, you know, if he doesn't quite get a triple-double, but he's, you know, if he's doing like 28, you know, 12 and 9, is that going to be enough? And I think yeah. your choices were really similar to mine, but I, I'm partial. I'm always partial, and we'll talk about this in the next question, but I'm also always partial to Giannis just because, you know, Giannis Dedekumbo, some of the things that he's doing this year are just mm-hmm. ridiculous. He's a 7-foot yeah. person playing point guard.
1: yeah yeah and playing it well yeah yeah no he's he's up there as well
0: for sure but yeah so I think I would have I don't know how you leave Anthony Davis off but I think I would have had maybe sort of the same list as you and then I don't know I'm torn on Kawhi Leonard too so I've got six I asked you to nail it Uh down to four and I'm I'm sitting here with six and I couldn't do it yeah all right so the next question I was going to ask you and, and I would use Giannis as my example Uh, you know, I was going to ask you which NBA player sort of brings you the most joy. You just want to watch them because watching them is such a spectacle and it's just a pleasure to watch. And for me, that's how I feel about watching Giannis when he plays. But for you, I was going to ask you to narrow it down to somebody at random because I know a lot of these players have been, you know, teammates of, You know, your brother Al, maybe in college or in pros. So, like, if you just excluded all the people that might have an association with Al, who is the player that you find is the most fun to watch and why?
1: Honestly, this might be a boring answer, but Steph Curry. Just because he is so, he's like an alien. (laughs) Like, he's literally an alien. And he's so, like, he's just cool. I just feel like he's not, like, um, he's amazing, but he's not, like, oh bow down to me kind of like how lebron is i feel like he's like i worked really hard and now it's paying off so watch me work and like kill this and stuff so um i would probably say steph i just think he's fun to watch it's just stupid to watch him too it's just like it's kind of annoying
0: yeah it's it's especially when he gets into that mode where he's Not just hitting regular three-pointers, but he's doing the ones that are like eight feet behind the line, ten feet behind the line, you know, feet on the circle at the middle of the court. It's like, wait a second, that's too much. It's crazy. (laughs)
1: He's absolutely an alien. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Now that's a perfect choice. Uh, So one of the things, you know, one of the main reasons I wanted to ask you on here, and maybe this is less fun, but maybe it's more fun to kind of have a, a forum to say things in in more than 140 characters but I wanted to get into you know letting you tell your side of what the experience of social media has been like for you all right so yeah. I maybe you know start with sort of the highs and lows what what have you enjoyed most about being on social media and what have you enjoyed least about being on social media
1: um I've enjoyed meeting new people and making friends, um, making connections with people. I think that's probably the best part. Um, And I mean, I think that's the main reason for a lot of social media is to make those connections. Um, So I think that's the best part. Um, Also that it's a mini platform, I guess. Especially if you wanna talk about things or get things out there that like, aren't so glamorous to, you know, um, like politics and, uh what's going on with like the pipeline right now stuff like that like i tweet about that stuff all the time in the hopes that maybe someone you know will look at it and care um so that's kind of like what i like about it um i think the worst part is the harassment (laughs)
0: like
1: people (laughs) yeah so yeah um and you know i think it's easy for people to be super tough behind a screen with a fake name and an egg picture you know what I mean it's yeah. just it's
0: silly so you know when you've been when when you've dealt with that harassment what have been some of the things that have triggered it like what Ooh. what were some of the moments that that maybe it sort of flooded on you where you're just like this is ridiculous it shouldn't be like this
1: um, I think when people take things just a little too far, I mean, like with the vulgarity, um, uh, as far as like, I mean, girls, any, any women on Twitter, you know, you're going to, and if you have, you know, a certain amount of followers or whatever, you're going to get called, you know, uh, the C word, you know, just a bunch of like vulgar terms. And that kind of just like, it makes me so mad just because, um, you know, who are you to say that to me? (laughs) You know, you don't know me as a person. All you know is what I, you know, tweet on Twitter occasionally. And also, whenever um, people kind of take it too far talking about my family, I get very, very defensive and protective. Sure. Um, Like, I think a lot of people would, you know. Um, And so those are kind of triggers for me.
0: (laughs) Right. So, you know, if you could, like, corral five of those people and sit down for coffee with them. What would you want to tell them to sort of say what you know to kind of freeze them and say what are you doing? Like look at me, I'm looking at you. Why would you talk like this? Like wh- what do you want people to know about you so that so that that kind of stuff doesn't happen? Like why what do you think makes this dehumanization process work the way it does?
1: I think it's because people want to feel fulfilled and important. And um, a lot of people are just desperate for attention, even if they have to do really hateful, negative things to get that attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of where it stems from. And so I think it's more of like a personal issue uh, within those people. It's, I think it's more that than anything else. And then wanting to feel you know, special, important, whatever, uh, even if they have to drag other people down in the process.
0: You know, you mentioned that, you know, if you're a woman on social media or if you're a woman on Twitter, you know, at a certain point, it's almost inevitable that you've been harassed at some point. Do you talk with some of the other women on Twitter to kind of compare notes just to maybe empathize or try to figure out, you know, why things are as horrible as they are?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I talk with my friend Rachel, Rachel Hoops. Mm -hmm. Um, on Twitter, and we kind of vent to each other, just because we've had, like, similar uh, situations as to, like, where people will make up, like, fake accounts of you, and people like to change Horford to Horford a lot, and, like, change the name, you know, W-H-O-R-E, and, like, there are a couple accounts that are like that, and so she's had that kind of stuff happen to her, too, and, um, it's only cuz we're women. I mean, that wouldn't happen if it were John or Josh tweeting, you know, my brothers, if it were them. Um, that stuff wouldn't happen to them. So, so yeah, I definitely uh, vent with other people about it.
0: Yeah. Ugh, it's just it's the aggravating.
1: It's crazy. It is. It's, it's ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah. It's Yeah. It, it's,
0: it's saddening and right. maddening we're both.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also, like, a male empowerment thing, like, you know, guys feel like they, you know, have to put you down because it's like, oh, I am man, like, hear me roar, BS and stuff, and they can't, I mean, I just feel like people have a hard time with women who have strong opinions, Right. and some people just can't handle it, but I don't really care. <laughs>
0: good <laughs> you shouldn't have to that's not yeah. your responsibility
1: clearly i mean you you've been on my twitter i i really don't care
0: <laughs> has there ever been a time where you've said something on social media where you're like yeah oh, maybe i shouldn't have said that
1: oh okay the only thing that i regret saying because i mean i just feel like regretting things that's just stupid but mm-hmm. The only thing I regret a little bit is going so hard at the state of Ohio.
0: <laughs> Just because my brother John
1: now plays for um, the Canton Charge, which is okay. Cleveland Cavaliers D League team. Right. So he's based I mean he's playing for their D League team, so that that was kind of like he was like maybe you could tone it down a little bit like on the state of Ohio as a whole, you know. <laughs> like living there right now. And people will come up to him and be like, why does your sister hate me? <laughs> because I live in Ohio. And so, yeah, that, that might be something I wish I would have toned down a little, but only for that reason. Otherwise, I have no regrets.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've had to go to, my, my, my daughter goes to college in Ohio, so I've had to go to Ohio a few times now, and, you know, you come across people in Ohio that are so nice and at the other you know, you can still tell that there are some people that are still chuckleheads, but
1: <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't tell anyone my name if I were there. Like my friend was at a bar last like NBA playoffs and he was like, These people behind me he was in Ohio, he's like, These people behind me are talking about how much they hate you.
0: Oh my goodness. And I was like,
1: What? Like, what's happening? And I was like, There's just a couple jokes, like a couple tweets on social media or whatever, but people take that very seriously, so
0: I don't <sighs> <know. laughs> yeah, there's, there's just a level of rage that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I want to take a minute to talk about today's sponsor, Poli Mortgage Group. Poli Mortgage Group encourages people to shop rates when they're looking to refinance or buy a new home. They have some of the lowest rates in the country and some of the lowest closing costs, too. They will even give you a quote where they will credit you money towards the closing costs or cover all of them. Check them out at www.polimortgage.com, that's www.polimortgage.com, or call 781-232-8000. Make sure to tell them that ATL and 29 sent you to receive a credit of $50 towards your closing costs. Offers cannot be combined with other offers. Poli Mortgage's Rates Integrity Service. All licensing information is in the show notes. Poli is an equal housing lender. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is, um, and correct me if I get this wrong, but you know, your brother Al uh, moved from the Dominican Republic to Michigan when he was 14 years old. Um, you and Al share the same father, but you have different mothers, and so yeah. he was moving from the Dominican Republic, where I think he spent some time with his mother, and he was moving to Michigan to be with his dad and, you know, play basketball in the United States in high school. Does that sound right? Yep. Okay. So what I was going to ask you was, you were like seven or eight at the time. Uh, Mm -hmm. What was the experience of getting a full-time brother? I know that you'd spent time with him before that, but what was the experience of getting a new full-time brother like where he was 14 and you were seven?
1: Yeah. No, it was, I mean, it was super cool just because, All of us idolized Al. I mean, we spent summers together and holidays together, and he was just, like, the cool older brother. Um, And he was actually really awesome with us just because there are five of us. And um, three boys, two girls. And he would, like, you know, kind of stay back from, like, going to parties on the weekends just to, like, hang out with us and, like, play games with us because we would, like, cry and beg him to. (laughs) Stuff like that. So... Um, he was like the best big brother. Um, and so no, it was really good. We were all super stoked on it. It was awesome.
0: So, uh, besides Al, are you the oldest?
1: No, no. No. John is the second oldest.
0: John is the second oldest?
1: And I'm the middle child.
0: Oh, okay. Did John have, uh, qualms about giving up his status as the oldest sibling?
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, he and Al are so competitive. It's crazy. Um, No, but they, I mean, they love each other, obviously. Like, brothers fight and argue and whatnot. So, um, they're five years apart. So, uh, yeah. No, they they butted heads a little bit. And as far as basketball, super competitive. Like, like (laughs) when um, when we all get together, my dad, Al, John, and Josh always play, like, horse and stuff. And... Knockout, and it is like you'd think it was like people battling to the death like (laughs) you cannot lose and if you lose like you don't talk to that person for the rest of the day because they're gonna be pissed that they lost to our dad (laughs) or (laughs) one of their brothers so
0: I'm just the opposite I I'm 10 years older than my sister so when she was seven and I was 17 I went away to college so she lost a brother when she was your age you got a brother that's so cool yeah so all right uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about because it really surprised me when I was reading about it a couple of years ago was you know your your father was really the first Dominican the first player from the Dominican Republic to come to the United States to play basketball mm-hmm. and you know reading the story and let me get the story so that uh, if anybody that's listening to this wants to read it, because it's really one of the most incredible things that I've ever read about basketball, seriously, because of how incredibly dishonest the recruiting process was. Uh, the name of the article, it's called The Strange Tangled Journey of Tito Horford, Basketball Star. And it's written, uh, or the dateline for the story is October 12, 1986. So it's, you know, it's actually a couple of years after he started getting recruited by colleges uh, and he was doing some transferring. It's before we actually ever played any games, and it was by Bill Brubaker for the Washington Post. So if you want to look up this story, that's, it's on the Internet. You can find it, and it's, it's really an amazing story. Um, but basically, let's see if I can sum this up quickly, um, but you, you know your father was, you know, a kid growing up in the Dominican Republic. He was playing baseball for a while. And, you know, at some point when he was a teenager, you know, there were some people who had played basketball before they kind of, you know, recruited him to play and things like that. And he started playing on the local teams. Uh, And, you know, from being seen on some of the local teams, there were some people from the United States that saw him. And eventually they kind of recruited him to come play high school basketball in Houston. And everybody was kind of in cahoots, if you read this through the story. Uh, you know, there was the Houston High School, but there was also the University of Houston. And it was very territorial where, you know, people in the high school were trying to keep recruiters away so that it kind of smoothed the path for him to go to University of Houston. And, you know, the level of skeeviness and dishonesty in the recruiting process, you know, lies that were made, uh, you know, surrogates that acted irresponsibly. You know, because your dad, your dad was living with these people because his mother was still back in the Dominican Republic, and the people that were his literally his guardians were just looking out for themselves and not for his best interest. And you know, UCLA got involved, and they were kind of you know pushed out of the way by uh, by some of the people at Houston, and then LSU with Dale Brown did some mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous things. In fact. So at one point in the recruiting process, Dale Brown wanted to put your dad under oath to make statements that would make him look good to the NCAA. And he, here, just reading straight from the article now, it says, Brown warned Horford of the consequences of lying under oath. I told him, you'll be sitting in the crowd with the inmates when we play our inter-squad scrimmage this year at the Angola State Penitentiary, Brown said, with a court reporter transcribing the proceedings. There was a 50-minute deposition under oath. Like, what does that have to do with recruiting? And so basically now to kind of cut and turn it to you, did your dad ever talk about that process with you, or did you hear him talking about it when Al, as Al was going through the recruiting process? or maybe John?
1: Um, I just know that it made him a lot more cautious. Um, the whole situation is just super shady. And um, it's, I mean, it's kind of one of the craziest stories in NCAA history, really, um, as far as uh, people kind of misguiding him, lying to him. Um, I mean, he's from a different country. When he came here, he couldn't even speak English. Right. And these people are like marketing him and trying to, you know, use him for their own benefit. And he's a kid at this point, like yep. a foreign child, like, right. I mean, not, he's a teenager and, um, early twenties and, um, he, uh, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. And he's talked about it a little. He actually has a pretty good relationship now with the family that he lived with in Houston. Um, uh, The big thing, though, was how horrible Dale Brown was. Um, Just kind of a horrifying dude, kind of racist. I remember my dad saying that he hated being at LSU just because, you know, the coaches would call him boy. And just be super, um, I mean, you know, it's the deep South and it's, uh, it was, it was a while back too. So, um, and he's a seven foot one Dominican man. (laughs) So yeah, that was really hard on him, but I think he learned a lot from it.
0: At one point did, did, you know, as reading through the story at one point, they're like, you know, Dale Brown tried to get Al's mother to go away. Like, she was there at LSU with your dad, and they're like, you know, you need to go away, and they they asked her to go, I think it was Washington, D.C., to live somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know as much about that part of the story, just because my dad doesn't talk about it that much, Right. but um, the whole situation, I just know, was just so horrifying, and um, he went through a lot, and I think it was kind of traumatic for him, but um, like I said, I think he learned a lot from it, and... Uh, you just I mean those people were just super untru- untrustworthy and um,
0: yeah so 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 yeah does he ever talk about playing in Europe was that a more pleasurable experience after go having to go through sort of the grind of co- you know the shady college recruiting and then the expectations of being in the MBA was yeah. was playing overseas after the MBA something that he liked more fondly
1: yeah I think he probably enjoyed that more. I mean, um, when he was over there, he learned like several languages, met a lot of people. I I think it was a healthier experience for him for sure. Um, so, so yeah, uh, not so great start, but, um, he had all the talent in the world too, which was, it's too bad that all of that happened to him and all those people kind of just tried to take advantage and it was kind of like sharks, you know, in the water and, um, so, yeah, not, not the best situation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing about it. And let me just say the name of it one more time because really it's, it's one of the most incredible things. It, it will make you – you th- let's put it this way. If you think that college basketball is anything now like what it was 30 years ago, it will make you question what you think of it, I think. Uh, the name right. of the article, one more time, is uh, The Strange Tangled Journey of Tito Horford, Basketball Star, by Bill Brubaker. It's it's an absolutely amazing tale.
1: It's basically a lifetime movie, is what I say. Like, like it's so ridiculous that you don't think it's real.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's, no, it, it would easily, yeah, you could like, easily make a two-hour movie out of it. It's it's that. Right, right. You know, yeah. it really is. It's like a, a bad, you know. Yeah, it's like like a lifetime movie with you know, (laughs) characters that are so ridiculously unethical that they almost seem like caricatures. Right, right. It's almost like they're not believable. Like nobody could do that, could they? And then they do it. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough for uh, for joining me today. This was really fun, and I'm I'm glad uh, we got to do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for for reaching out to me. I loved it. It was awesome.
0: Awesome. All right. She's on she's on Twitter, at Anna Horford. Go follow her now. Even <laughs> the people that are from Ohio, go follow her. You, you'll find common ground, I promise. Thanks, Anna.
1: <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs>
0: thank awesome. You. Thank you very much. Cool. And thank you to our sponsor, Poli Mortgage Group. Rates, integrity, service.